You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. There's another guy that's nothing but a pro, ready every day, knows the opponent, understands what his job is. All count for Garoppolo. Patriots bring just four. Plenty of time. Finds Jacob open at the 40. Cuts up field 35. Lowers the shoulder and he's got a first down. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. Head coach Josh McDaniels right there talking about Josh Jacobs. Led the league in rushing in 2022. Hasn't really got the ball rolling like he did last season, but he's working his tail off each and every game to get back to where he was. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. This is hour number two of the show. Kicking off hour number two is our good friend from ESPN, Courtney Cronin. She covers the Bears like a glove, not to mention does everything else across the network there at ESPN. Courtney, how are you doing today? I'm good. What's up, Q? How you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm just surprised and thankful that you actually had time in between Bears, Around the Horn, Get Up. Uh, what else are you on? Uh, um, first Take. You're on everything. I don't even know how you have time for me. <laughs> I, you know, I always I always make time for my favorite people. So that's <laughs> we, we, pe- we made sure that we block this time off for uh, unnecessary roughness. There you go. Well, I definitely appreciate that. So we'll jump right into it. So Matt Eberflus, I was following along on your Twitter account, uh, what you were saying about the quarterback position. It sounds like Justin Fields, I know he hasn't been ruled out completely, but it sounds like he's out for Sunday. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is a situation where they're trying to give this injury as much time as they possibly can to heal, to see what the natural you know, what his body does, what time does to make this swelling go down. And it did sound today when I asked Matt Eberflus about the nature of the injury that the swelling had dissipated a little bit. But it at this point, like, you know, they're talking about getting the swelling to go down so hopefully he can avoid surgery and be playing down the line. I think that he's still got to, like, let it recover to a point where he can grip the ball. So, you know, I think it's the obvious thing right here that with him doubtful, him not practicing on a Wednesday of all days, he's not going to play, and they're preparing for Tyson Bajan's first start, and that start coming against the Raiders. So that leads us right to our next question. Tell us a little bit about Tyson Bajan. I know he's got a hell of a story of how he arrived in the NFL, but who is he as a player? We just saw a little bit of him as he came in a relief of Justin Fields last week. I think it's hard to, like, pin, put a pin like figure out like what he is as a player. I asked Tyler Scott and DJ Moore about that today, and they couldn't really tell me like what is his identity as a player. And so I asked Tyson Bajan that exact question. He said, "You know, it's a hard question for him to answer. He's not a pocket passer, but he's not a dual threat quarterback. He's somewhere in the mix of all of those things, which most good quarterbacks are. But I, I think he's still trying to figure that out. We we know what he was at the Division two level, and of course, it's going to be different." from, um, you know, what he can be potentially at the NFL level. Like, he's got a really decent arm and pocket presence where he can hang in there. I think that that's the thing that you go from Justin Fields, who is a natural runner, um, who can do a lot of different things, has a strong arm, and some of those things are different with Tyson Bajan. But what you see with Bajan is somebody who, I think some of the mistakes he made in the game against the Vikings, to watch him pretty seamlessly bounce back from that. So he, so he has that strip sack that's returned 46 yards for a touchdown, and three drives later, he leaves a touchdown drive of his own. The Bears' offense wasn't able to do that earlier in the game with Fields in. So to see 
Bajent do that. That's a great sign that at least he's somebody who doesn't dwell on, uh, you know, negative plays and the moment's not too big for him because, of course, you know, we can talk about that and people can downplay that all they want and say, you know, he worked to get here, he's beaten the odds. But when you're in a moment like that, that's pretty substantial of making sure that you don't get the yips or you don't have a mistake compound itself with another mistake and then the game gets out of hand. I thought that he did a really good job, especially after that first turnover that he had. Of course, we know the game ended with an interception, but I thought he did a good job bouncing back from that, and that's not something that you always see with quarterbacks who are not supposed to be playing in games end up finding their way into games. Is that one of those scenarios where you feel like, you know, maybe because he's so young and he's not supposed to know or not supposed to do that he's he's just able to go out there and do it anyway because he really doesn't know? In a way, yes, because he said today, you know, he has nothing to lose. Like, I mean, right. he's already been, you know, a Division two kid who wasn't drafted, you know, signed here as an undrafted free agent, beats out P.J. Walker, who this team brought in expecting to be the backup quarterback for Justin Fields. And, you know, he beats him out, he gets on the roster, he starts his QB3, he ends up leapfrogging Nathan Peterman to be the backup, but he's already done more than what's been expected of somebody in his position. And it's not to say he's not talented enough to do that, but that's the reality. Like that, you know, if you're a backup, it's not a great thing that a backup's playing right now because that means Justin Fields isn't playing. He's right. supposed to be, you're supposed to be trying to figure out if he's the answer at the quarterback position for the Bears. And clearly the injury is hindering that from happening. But I think with Bajan, like he, he told this cool story about going in in the Vikings game where he told coaches in that moment, don't hinder, your, don't hinder the offense just because I'm in here. I know the playbook. So you can at least expect this is somebody who's pretty well-read in this offense, that he's, you don't need to tailor things to simplify things mm. maybe as much as you would for somebody else. Now a lot of that could be lip service because, right. of course, guys in the NFL, if you've made it this level, it's not just making it off your talent. It's making it off you know, how intelligent you are, how quickly you can pick up information – now, when you're asked to execute that information, can you actually do it? So if you can't do it, then they're going to have to simplify things out there. But I do think there's um, – I don't know how many other rookie quarterbacks would be willing to tell coaches in that moment something that is kind of – you know, that shows a lot of poise, that he has confidence in his ability and that he didn't want the offense to have to be playing with a hand behind its back just because he was in there because he had been prepared – with the breadth of this playbook and to know it and to know it well enough to execute it. I think you got to give him a lot of credit for, you know, studying, deep diving into that playbook and, have, like you said, having the confidence to say, I got this, just go ahead and tell me, call the plays the way you would normally call them. He's got a lot of confidence. I respect that a lot. Again, we're talking with Courtney Cronin from ESPN, talking all things Chicago Bears. What is the state of the offensive line? I know Matt Eberflus didn't talk a whole lot about it today, but from your point of view, what is going on with that O-line? Another state of flux. Um, you know, this is their 30th combination in 23 games that they will have utilized. Um, wow. And that's tough because when they have so many pass protection issues, it's not just guys not knowing what to do. It's different skill sets up there and not having the best, you know, the best five out there because of injury. And so we talked to Cody Whitehair today. I do think that he is not going to be the center this week. I would imagine that that ends up being Lucas Patrick and that they slide Cody Whitehair over to guard because Nate Davis is is got an ankle injury and he's not playing this week. There will be an opportunity for him to play, but like I don't think it's going to be at center. And 
watching him get benched and then hearing the explanation for why he got benched and then hearing the Bears try to justify, you know, well, they felt that this would settle um, settle Tyson Bajan down. Well, if Cody Whitehair wasn't a great center to begin with, I don't know why Lucas Patrick wasn't in there. And it's not like – this is not like saying, like, oh, my gosh, the guy that, like, they didn't play right away is this, you know, superstar. Like, he's had his struggles, too. He's a backup who ends up playing this because there was, like, an injury with Tevin Jenkins earlier in training camp that ended up moving everything. Like, they, I honestly don't know if they played that the right way when Tevin Jenkins went down – and moving Cody Whitehair over to center after Cody Whitehair was dealing with a hand injury, there was just so much shuffling that happened that it really messed up the continuity of this offensive line. And I think that's a pretty big reason why you've seen so many issues up front. So with that being said, what does the rookie right tackle Darnell White look like so far out of Tennessee? He's look good. I think he's got a shoulder injury this week, so we'll see how much mm. that limits him. But you know, he's he's strong, and there have definitely been some rookie moments, um, you know, on, I think it was on the, uh, the play where Fields got hurt, you know, he's not, he missed the block off the edge with Daniil Hunter, so that's, you know, something that they want to make sure doesn't happen again, but it's also not entirely on him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going through the rookie curve, and he's played every snap so far at right tackle, and that's what you expect when you draft somebody 10th overall, to be a player that you expect as a franchise player, somebody who could potentially be playing that position for a decade if things go according to plan and health and all those things. But I I think he's kind of been the lone bright spot on the offensive line, uh, him and Tevin Jenkins, really, this season, because it's been in such a state of flux ever since week one. Yeah, it, it has. And, you know, Courtney, you do a fantastic job covering the Bears, so I'm always – anytime I need some information, I just check out your Twitter and you have it covered. What has this season been like so far? It's only six weeks, but it seems like it's been an eternity of ups and downs and roller coaster rides in Chicago. I've never covered anything like this, which is just wild to think about, that we're at week seven, and part of the conversation around this team is already geared on 2024 and next year and who the quarterback is going to be and the two draft picks that they currently have in the top three uh, because Carolina stinks and the Bears stink. So it's – it's a really weird spot to be in where you have some portion of this fan base mailing it in and saying, all right, like let's think about next year, Where whereas the team has more than half the season to go. It's not like we're at week 13 and they can already see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's three months left in the regular season, <laughs> right. and it's just such a strange place to be in given from the very get-go this year things that were not right against Green Bay, and then they snowballed into what we have right now, and that's a team that has certainly been fractured uh, for a number of different reasons, whether it's the defensive coordinator resigning suddenly or the disgruntled wide receiver get Chase Claypool getting traded out of here after they spent a first-round pick to get him. Like, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's been a struggle this season. The team's one in five. Um, and I don't know how many winnable games there are right now that are like gimme games. And, of course, we know the Raiders' record at Soldier Field throughout their history. Um, and I would imagine that, you know, this is a team, these two are pretty evenly matched, but it's not like you can say, okay, this is the one that Chicago should win. They should have won last week against Minnesota. Minnesota's not a good team. Right. Um, they should have beaten the Denver Broncos. And they've just really struggled to put things together. We did see about – a game and a half of Justin Fields that was really good from the Broncos game. And then, of course, the commander's win that they had. But 
it's not enough that you know that that guy's your answer going forward, and the injury complicates it. Yeah, it really does. Again, Courtney Cronin is our guest here from uh, ESPN on Raider Nation Radio 920. Let's continue to talk about Justin Fields. How, I mean, we don't know if he's even going to play this week. Most likely he won't. But, I mean, what does he have to show to this organization that he is the guy? Or will do you think that they'll be picking a quarterback at the top of the draft next year? If you ask me right now, I feel like they already know. He's 6-25 and 25 as a starter over mm. three years. Most guys don't get that long of a leash, even, even first-round quarterbacks. I mean, we saw it with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. We saw it with Sam Darnold and the Jets. Like, it, it can be really difficult when you start out and have such a poor rookie season and then it doesn't seem to, like, get, you know, get turned around. Like, he's had more than 30 games at this point of his career, and we know he's a tremendous athlete. I just – I think it's teetering on the edge that everything needs to kind of be status quo or, you know, running efficiently for him to be an efficient quarterback because he beat two really bad defenses. And that was the time where the run game looked really good. The offensive line was protecting, you know, really well up front. And he was able to hit his receivers against Denver and against the commanders. He really struggled against the Minnesota Vikings last week. Of course, that comes down to play calling. That comes down to, the the protection up front against that ferocious blitz but it's I just I honestly think if you're Ryan Poles if you can't take a gamble you cannot gamble on what happens next year knowing that this team is already it's it's not even just like your choices as the general manager it's the institutional knowledge of things that this team has messed up before like taking Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes in 2017 and passing on quarterbacks in the past. And this team has never had, since the Sid Luckman days, that franchise quarterback. Sweet. Sure, there have been a couple good ones here and there, like Jim McMahon, um, Jay Cutler. But, like, I say those names. You have to go back decades till you <laughs> get there. Right. And these weren't guys that were, like, franchise answer, 15-year quarterback at the position, like or even much stability beyond a couple of years, and that's tough for this fr- for this ownership to swallow. They're a charter franchise, and they've never been able to get the quarterback position right. And I think that's tough. And I think if you're Ryan Poles and you're looking at sitting on one and two next year, how could you not take Caleb Williams or Drake May? Um, right. And maybe I'm the only one. I don't know if I'm completely sold on Caleb Williams and this generational talent that we like to that label we like to throw out there. I do think that. People are going to have a nice little reality check coming into next season, If assuming he leaves and goes to the NFL and doesn't stay in another year. But, like, what you saw against Notre Dame very yeah. well could end up being his first three to four games in, in the NFL, and that's okay. But the Bears have to decide real quick, like, you know, can we pass on this guy? Will we be kicking ourselves the way we did about Mahomes? Or do we feel like if Justin Fields gets the line – fortified if they go spend a top pick on an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman that needs to be fixed too and if they get in marvin harrison jr then can he rise to his potential time's ticking and you know the injury certainly does not help field's case right now because if he has to sit out a couple games and those are opportunities he's missing um nothing he can do about it but opportunities he's missing to showcase who he is as a quarterback I'll tell you, what I saw from Caleb Williams going up against Notre Dame is a bunch of guys from USC that were cold. And I, I started thinking about Chicago and thinking, wait a minute, man, this is Notre Dame. I mean, that was, what, 50-something degree weather? Could you imagine uh, guys like Caleb Williams that aren't really accustomed to that cold playing in Chicago, their home games all the time? 
that might be that might be a tough pill to swallow right there. That might not be something that he wants to do or Chicago wants a guy like Caleb Williams to do. It doesn't look like he was built for the cold, Courtney. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that Notre Dame game was awful. I mean, yeah. his first his first uh, possession, his first yep. drive, he throws an interception. I remember thinking, okay, this game's over. So they have not looked good. I, no. I, I don't know what to think about this USC team other than they're not a CFP team, especially no. when you look at you know everything in the Pac-12 right now. Oregon's behind. USC's behind. They still have Utah, Washington, Oregon on their schedule. I think they've got two to three more losses there, and it's going to be the difference between a CFP bid and, like, the Alamo Bowl. Right. (laughs) There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Courtney, we'll get you out on this. The trade deadline's coming up on the 31st. Do you see the Bears being players not bringing guys in but shipping a few guys out? Are Are you looking at any particular names? I think it makes sense. It's just do teams want any of their players that they have? Like Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson were names that had been floated to me that were Mm -hmm. being talked about around the league. So the Bears garnering interest, like, you know, what would the price be? Eddie's got a foot injury now, and they're thin at cornerback, so I don't know if they're going to want to trade Jalen Johnson. It's, It's hard. I mean, this is not a good spot for a general manager to be in, and if you lose this game against the Raiders, then you are thinking about moving players and, you know, trying to get, trying to get this team together for next year. But whatever they do, um, they've got to be able to figure out, like they have more than half a season left. At least at this point last year, it didn't feel like the wheels had completely fallen off by week seven. I mean, week seven is when they started turning things around. They beat the New England Patriots on the road and felt like their offense had a new look to it. And then they trade a bunch of players and they kind of go the other direction, 10 straight losses. So, I, I think they learned their lesson in a way from that about the way to do that and what that yields, and I don't think they can afford to do that again. It's going to be interesting. It really will. Jalen Johnson is a name that I would be intrigued by, but you, like you said, uh, they're thin at corner right now. Well, fantastic stuff as always, Courtney. Definitely appreciate you. What What are you working on next? What should I be looking out for you? Are you on my TV next? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I think I'm on Sports Center, and then I just taped something for Sports Center in the next like half an hour. So nice. There's that, and I mean, this team, this team keeps me on my toes. So <laughs> whatever they've got going, I have going. No doubt. No. Well, anytime you have an opportunity to be on game night, if you have a free night, you're always welcome. I definitely appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Q. All right, thank you. There she goes, Courtney Cronin, the great Courtney Cronin from ESPN, does a fantastic job covering the Bears on Around the Horn, Sports Center, as you heard her mention, First Take, Get Up. It doesn't matter what show it is, the morning show, she's there. Uh, she she probably sleeps less than I do, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's how many different jobs she has around the network, and she does a great job at all of them. You can check her out on Twitter at Courtney R. Cronin with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Good news from the Raiders' locker room. Vinny has sent over Bilal Nichols, Adam Butler, and Mad Max Crosby. So you'll hear from those three throughout the course of the show. Matter of fact, my man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio lets us know that Bilal Nichols is ready to rock and roll. So let's go ahead and go and hear what Bilal Nichols, who met with Mad Max Crosby on top of Max Jones to close out the game on Sunday against the Patriots. What he had to say. Oh man, uh, it was amazing. You know, I owe credit to my teammates. You know, Adam, Adam Butler did a great job of you know getting the center turn. Uh, he allowed me to just go in there and you know be able to split it. So uh, you know, a lot of that credit goes to him. And, you know, the rest of my team needs to be doing their part to allow me to be able to get there. When you talk about this defensive line, you guys have been able to get pressure, do a lot of great things. What would you say, in your perspective, is working right now? 
Uh, I think right now we just gelling. We're playing really good football together. Um, the chemistry is going good. We're getting better and better. We're pushing each other every day. Everything we do in practice is competitive. And, uh, you know, ultimately that's how you create a great D-line, you know, with competition. And then just knowing that the guy next to you, your brother, is pushing you. He wants to see you be great. It's not coming from a place of ill will. Another thing is uh, Max was kind of talking about how the defensive line gets together on Thursdays and gets mm -hmm. dinner. You know, you talk about the chemistry on the field. What are some things that you guys are doing off the field that also has built that chemistry and defensive line? Yeah, that's one of the big things we do. We take pride in it. Every Thursday, we, we eat together as a D-line. We pick a place, whether that's a restaurant or one of the D -line, fellow D-line members' house, and then we go there and we spend time with each other. And I think that that's a, that's a huge reason for, uh, you know, us playing with more chemistry and stuff like that. We know each other on and off the field. And, uh, you know, when you know people on and off the field, it makes it easier for you to go to battle with your brothers. I know you guys are talking football in mm -hmm. those situations, but you also talk about other things. In this oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about life, too. Uh, of course, we do it on Thursdays because the Thursday night football right, game yeah, is yeah. on, and we like to watch it. But we talk about life. We talk about, you know, uh, uh, each other's families, uh, just giving uh, each other something that we might not see in a building, you right. know, uh, just giving a different perspective. One of the uh, guys on you talk about next to you is John Jenkins, mm -hmm. kind of an older veteran, but mm -hmm. uh, seems to be like an anchor for you guys. Mm -hmm. How is that playing with him? Oh, man, I love playing with John. So me and John actually played together two seasons in Chicago. Right. Uh, so, you know, when uh, he came back, when he came here to Vegas, I was super excited. Um, you know, dude, come in, work hard every day. Real vet, real G, real dude that's uh, he going to give you everything he got. And, you know, at the end of the day, you could, you could depend on this dude all the time. What's been the best Thursday night meal so far? That's a good question. I'm going I'm to go with... Uh Oh, that's a good question. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna probably go with uh, with Anthony's. I'm gonna go with Anthony's at the end. That was the best one so far. Since we're already on the topic of food, you know, give us your your top three or your Mount Rushmore of Chicago restaurants or pizza. For pizza, G Giordano's. I ain't gonna lie, that's the only one I went to. Uh, the deep dish. Yeah, I would just say Giordano's. That's my favorite one. Just restaurants in general, then. Restaurants in general: Mabel and Ash, Steak Forty Eight. And then I'm going to go with uh, uh, the cut. cut. Yeah. There's Bilal Nichols right there again, uh, peppered with some uh, food questions there at the end. It's funny he mentioned Anthony's Steakhouse in the, uh, the, the M Resort. Uh, the wife just asked me if I wanted to go there this weekend. It's our anniversary, and so we're trying to find an uh, anniversary dinner spot. Yeah, she's put up with me for 11 years. Can you believe that? I know people that can't put up with me for 11 days. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Demond's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> no, but really, so we were just talking about Anthony's. I haven't I, – I think I've been there once. We went there on a, a Raiders media – all the guys that cover the team, we went there for a dinner that the Raiders put on one time, and so that was pretty cool. But we thought about going to uh, Anthony's. You know my spot, though. You know my spot. I had to overrule it. I got to go to Joe's. Joe's is the spot. So, yeah, that's 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 my spot. We definitely appreciate Joe's as well. But uh, I like that. Bilal Nichols uh, getting peppered with some food, some food thoughts there, some food questions. Uh, but, yeah, good stuff in the Raiders locker room. Uh, thanks to Vinny Bonsignor for sitting Bilal over. We also have Adam Butler and Max Crosby. You'll hear from both of those guys throughout the course of the show. We got plenty to get to. As a matter of fact, got some texts that I want to get to real quick. Uh, Krista Blunk, she covers the Aces. She's actually the play-by-play -play, uh, on the TV voice side of things. See, uh, her and Carolyn Peck did a fantastic job all season long. She'll join us to talk all things Aces at 3.30. As you could tell, we are helter-skelter, right? Got to keep your head on a swivel around here on this show. This is how we get down. Fast-paced is what we do. 
Glenn in San Jose, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. The season will be successful if the offense finally gets a handle of this playbook. It will allow the coach to add even more plays that get us in the end zone rather than settle for three. And just maybe the playoffs could be on the horizon. That's Glenn in San Jose. I like that text. And I, I say I like that text because I feel like the playbook is is very – minimal right now, right? I don't think that Coach McDaniels is really opening things up to where he even wants it to be, but he's given the team what he thinks they can handle at this point. You know where they always say uh, you got to learn to walk before you can run? I feel like the Raiders are still walking. They haven't got to the point where they're able to run just yet. So I would love to see the offensive line gel. I'd love to see the run game get going, and then all of a sudden there's an opportunity for this offense to start running Take advantage of the greatness of Devontae Adams. Take advantage of the sure hands of Jacoby Myers. Take advantage of, you know, Michael Mayer, the tight end in the red zone. Like, be able to open up the playbook. But right now, I honestly don't believe that he has confidence in opening up the playbook. And that's why you see so many plays that are very vanilla, very conservative, very predictable. I think that's why you see all that right now because that's what he feels comfortable with the guys that are out there, what they're able to do. And that's unfortunate because, again, looking at the offense and just looking at the – the talent that's on the offense, they have plenty of talent. They're just not executing it and opening things up the way that it should be. Matter of fact, they're only executing right now in the red zone. I think they're converting. I want to say it's about 40, maybe 41% of the time they're able to get into the end zone, and that's obviously not enough. <laughs> that's not going to get it done ever. And last season, I want to say they were at 48 or 49% of the time. So they've obviously gone down from where they were last year. So, again, that's not going to cut it. But uh, thank you so much, Glenn, for that text. We do appreciate you. Coming up next, Krista Blunk. She's going to talk all things Las Vegas Aces. Before we get to that, though, call number 9, 702-365-9200. You want to go to see Jeff Dunham. We got a couple t- pairs of tickets, or we got a couple tickets to uh, go see the show at Planet Hollywood. You want them? We got them. You can also get them right now at Ticketmaster.com, but we'll give you a pair free to go see Jeff Dunham October 22nd at Planet Hollywood. Call number 9 at 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Stokes, three in the shot clock. Key gets rid of it to Jackie. She's open for three. A good look. Rims out. AC with the rebound. Clark, back to Plum. Plum lines up another three. You got that right. KP for a triple. And the Aces have tied it at 21. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. With your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Hope to hear a lot of those Kelsey Plum triples tonight. Hope to hear Asia Wilson buckets tonight. Hope to hear Alicia Clark buckets tonight. Uh, Hope to hear Jackie Young buckets. Matter of fact, a lot of Jackie Young buckets tonight. Uh, as the Aces get ready for game number four versus New York Liberty. They're back in NYC with the Aces leading the series 2-1. to one. They can close things out with a victory tonight. Join us now on the phone lines to talk about the Aces and the Liberty. It's Krista Blunt. Krista is the play-by-play voice all season long on TV side of things. Her and Carolyn Peck did a fantastic job covering the Aces like a glove. And Krista, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you. And I, I didn't mention Chelsea Gray and I didn't mention uh, Kia Stokes. Well, I didn't mention them because they're not playing. 
How big of a loss is that for those that might not understand those two ladies being out tonight versus the Liberty? Oh, Q, I tell you, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, it changes things tremendously. It's almost hard to find words to really explain it. I think if you maybe compare it to, I don't know, the NBA side, you're you're maybe losing stuff and, you know, Clay and, and you know, Clay yeah. Thompson maybe if they're out for the Warriors, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's definitely um, a big loss. You know, it's a big hole to fill, and it's a very uh, – it's, it's happened so quickly. You know, it, it's such an immediate impact. And there's not a lot of time to regroup. And, and so, you know, you're going to rely on, you mentioned a lot of veteran players, and they're really, you know, going to have to elevate even and give a little bit extra. You know, one of the things that Becky Hammond talked about a lot coming into this season was the depth that they had. And they had Candace mm-hmm. Parker, but then she got injured. And they had other players, and then they either were uh, there or they're not with the team or they're injured. It's just mm-hmm. it seems like they had a really deep team, and then they didn't. So now their depth is really going to get tested. Who do you think kind of steps up in the place of especially a Chelsea Gray? Yeah, you know, that. Uh, as far as the ball handling goes, luckily for the Aces, they have a little bit of depth with decent ball handlers. You know, you have Jackie Young, you have Kelsey Plum, um, both of which can score as well. And that's a, those are two big pieces that they will miss from Chelsea Gray, obviously, and they miss so much more with her. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, Asia Wilson has been handling the ball more. I think it's, you know, they're going to, they already ask so much of Asia. Mm-hmm. And I think that the tricky part is that, you know, Others are going to have to come in. Alicia Clark's going to have to come in big. Um, you know, there's the potential of maybe uh, Sydney Colson. And, you know, Sydney's a veteran, and she's confident. She can score. Um, she's an aggressive player that I think can also help, you know, handle the ball for them. I think Kirsten Bell, you know, Becky's yeah. going to probably go to her bench a little bit deeper. Um, but I, I would see Sydney Colson getting some significant minutes just because of her ability to, to handle the ball and also score. Um, but you lose a little bit of size, right? She's not; she doesn't have the length that a Chelsea Gray does at the point. So uh, it's going to take you know team like committee here. I mean, really true team effort. Um, Alicia Clark will have to be big. We'll see if we see a little more of Elena Coates, a player that they picked up after yeah. they had lost um, Candace Parker. And Elena has has not had a lot of time in games, but she has definitely been training and playing with this team for almost a couple of months now. So we'll see. Krista Blunk is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Something that Coach Hammond is always preaching is defense, defense, defense. In a game like this, when you're without two of your big-time players, how much more important is that defense going to be for the Aces tonight? It's going to be huge, especially from a player that I didn't mention, and that's Kayla George, the Aussie national team player that may may step right in and take Kia's spot, right? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when you think about Kia Stokes, she's not been a big scorer. She scores at times. But her big presence is on the defensive end in particular. She's an incredible shot blocker and rebounder. They're going to miss that. And so Kayla George, much more known to be kind of a quick sharpshooter, is probably, if she's out there, going to have to be bigger and going to have to be more physical, and she better bring the defense. She cannot get into foul trouble, and that goes for really everybody. They can't afford foul trouble with the lack of death. death. No, no, they really can't. That's going to be uh, critical in this game. You know, you mentioned Alicia Clark, and Alicia Clark is a veteran. You know, she's been there, done that. Uh, She knows what it's like to win and get it done. Uh, How much do you think that veteran presence and that that know-how is going to help this team tonight? Oh, it, it will. It makes a big difference. It, it will make an incredible difference. Um, these players have a different switch. They can switch it up, and they they can just kind of dive back into all that experience that they've encountered, all those scenarios and situations. And we've seen Alicia Clark do that 
many times uh, where she comes in and just kicks it up to a whole different level. Um, she's a little undersized post kind of player and uh, at times is definitely paired up against uh, a much bigger, longer player, but she's got a physical presence about her. And I love the tenacity of Alicia Clark. I think she's going to have to bring that, that swagger to the court tonight. Yeah, they're going to need her, and they're also going to need Jackie Young. And I'll, I'll tell you, and you were on the call for so many of these games. From the very first game of the season, it seemed like Jackie Young was playing on a different level this year. Could she take that yeah. game to an even higher level tonight when it's, her team needs her the most? I think she can. You know, Jackie kind of just gets that eyes glazed over and goes out and just, you know, she's one of those players that's so capable. And I also like that the fact that Jackie didn't have her best game in their last game. And she's one of those bounce-back kind of players that can absolutely bring a different focus when she struggles. Typically, she will come back that next game and have a big game. Now, the tricky part for the Aces is that the New York Liberty, they have depth, and they'll yeah. push the tempo, and they have some length, and they'll have the opportunity to try to trap and really cause some problems for a Jackie Young, maybe players just a little bit undersized compared to maybe some of their matchups. So, you know, the Aces are really going to have to be on, but you said it, the defensive end, and this is what I saw in their last game, when the defense was up and kicking it, they were playing well. And that defense is going to have to be there to create some of the offensive opportunities. So if they don't get it done tonight in game four, then game five is on Friday back at the house, yeah. right, back in Vegas. So yeah. you know the environment. You've been there way too many times. You know what it's <laughs> going to be like. How much do you think that that can help them? And do you think Chelsea Gray and Kia Stokes could even have a chance to come back and play then? It's only a couple of days from now. Yeah, it is tricky, right? You know, that's the biggest plus for this team when they started losing their depth. You know, they had some time after Candace Parker went out to reacclimating and bring in other players. But then they hit a couple of stretches with some tough travel, and this team struggled a bit on those road trips. And so the biggest plus for them was that when the playoffs started, they got some rest time, and they needed it. And then you see this re-energized different team. It's not a lot of, it's not a lot of time in between tonight yeah. and Friday if they have to have a Friday, but – they will feed off the energy from those fans. And I was there for the uh, the last home game, the last playoff game. I'm not kidding to you. I wish I'd had earplugs. It was so loud in there. My ears were ringing afterwards, but it was good ringing. And so um, they'll they'll feed off that energy. The fans definitely help, help lift them up, and, and they're going to need it. Uh, they'll be a little bit tired, I think, coming back from the East Coast. Yeah, I think – I think so as well, and uh, again, hopefully they get it done tonight somehow, some way. They find a way to get it done. Don't have to worry about a game five, but if they do, at least it's back at the house. And you've had an opportunity to talk to Coach so many times. I've talked to her a few mm-hmm. times, but just kind of what makes her tick? What is what is her mindset? You know, what makes her go? Yeah, you know, I love talking with Becky Hammond. I mean, the, I, you know, Carolyn has said it so many times. She really needs to write a book. She has so many little phases and sayings and it, it is and she's just motivating you know and she knows how to motivate these players they really do play and feed off of her and her energy she's a competitor you saw it as a player she was just just scrappy out there and so she's she's that kind of a coach also you'll see her sometimes uh, being held off of the court by her team <laughs> because um she'll go out there and fight for them you know she she's such a competitor and and i see that when you listen to her in huddles and it's how she knows which buttons at that time. Where do they need to be motivated? What do they need to hear at that point? Um, she's so good at that. And she'll know how to get this team focused and ready, I do think, for tonight. It is not going to be easy. Um, and I've been really impressed with all of the fan bases this year, uh, in particular the other night, you know, almost 18,000 in Brooklyn. Um, they're going to be loud and cheering for their liberty as well. It's not going to be an easy task, but uh, if anybody can, can get them to where they – 
have a chance and, and they can win this one, it would be Coach Hammond. I think she's doing a great job. You know, Krista, what I noticed about the whole WNBA Finals, I always say, like, why would you go up against the NFL on Sundays? Why would you not want to have all eyes on you? The eyeballs on the game have been so high, even when they're playing on Sundays, when it's an NFL Sunday, there's a lot of eyeballs, and that's due to the talent on the court for all the league. It's not just, you know, the Aces, not just the Liberty. It is really up right now. How encouraging is that for the WNBA in general? Uh, it's really remarkable, you know, Q, and I started working in the league from the very first season, you know, way back uh, with Sacramento's organization for so many years, and, you know, it's just continued to grow and grow, and it's changed and shifted, and, and so many people that I know, they'll say, wow, what a, what a fun fan base, look at all these different people, and you do, you look around, and it's just, it, it's it's kids, and it's, it's, you know, guys that just went out and played golf earlier, and they came in to go to the game, or whatever it might be, you know, it's a, it's a huge, vast group of people that just love the game that they're seeing and, and the support by the NBA players as well. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a big plus. And let's face it, it's not easy to compete with Taylor Swift right now in the NFL. So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing a pretty darn good job, I'd say, going up against that. So Yeah. I, I would say so. They're doing, uh, you know, a really good job going up against the NFL, going up against the Swifties, going up against uh, everything that is out there uh, right there. But they, they, there's a lot of good competition. You know, Mark Davis got Becky Hammond from the NBA, from the Spurs organization. Yeah. Now you see the Mercury go out and hire an assistant mm-hmm. coach from, you know, the Magic organization. Uh, it seems like that the blueprint now is out there. The go get really good coaches, invest in your team, and you can yeah. put a winner out there. And I think you got to give Mark Davis a ton of credit for seeing that vision earlier than others. I think there's no doubt about it. As we went around and, and we called games at different uh, you know teams and their their venues and talked with their executives, um, the bar was set, and it was set by Mark. And no one had really you know, done that it, it really throughout the years. I, I think one of the maybe the closer ones might have been the Maloof brothers originally with Sacramento. They mm-hmm. kind of set a fairly high bar. But when it came to those coaches and really setting a high standard, I mean, Mark put it out there, and now you're seeing the Mercury do the same thing. They're building practice facilities. They're, they're building around Chicago, doing the same thing. They're getting the investors to be able to, you know, pay the players, pay, pay the coaches, but also put facilities together to allow these players to continue to train and condition all year long, and uh, Mark, you got to say, he, he's the trailblazer. He's the one that said, this is how it should be done. Watch me, follow me, and see if we can all do it. Yeah, their facility is awesome. Right next to the Raiders mm-hmm. facility, it's great, and, and it's finally their time to have their own place that they can call theirs, and, and so obviously you see how it's been paying off. Well, it's going to tip off in a little bit over an hour. Uh, Aces and the Liberty, this is the matchup, right? I mean, this is what we talked mm-hmm. about at the beginning of the season. We all wanted to see it. Wouldn't it be fitting, though, if it did come down to a Game 5, what we wanted to see and it's one game takes all <laughs> you know it would I don't think anybody would complain about it you know they they won last year and it was an incredible celebration but they were in Connecticut um, it's a tricky when you go with a five game series of how it breaks down because you want to take care of business at home but that means you you might win it on the road then after that and so and then if it comes down to that final one that is it but you know, I think at that point it's all even, and and you're on your home floor again, so maybe not as even for the other team, the traveling team. So um, if it comes down to it, I don't think anybody be be complaining about it. Um, just hopefully they'll get it done either tonight or, or on Friday. Absolutely. Well, we're hoping that the Aces raise another banner and have another ring and get to celebrate it on the strip like they did a year ago. Krista, fantastic stuff. Great job, you and Coach Peck, uh, on the call all season long. We were definitely watching and paying attention, and we definitely appreciate you giving us some time this afternoon. 
Oh, thanks so much, Q. I've had such a blast. It's such a great place, great fans, everybody, and organization. It's, it's been a blast. I hope they just keep on doing it. Yeah, me too. Me too. There's no doubt. Thanks so much, Krista. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. All right, there she goes. Krista Blanc, fantastic job. Her and Carolyn Peck, uh, two of my favorite in the business. They do a great job breaking down the game. Uh, Carolyn Peck is a, uh, is a champion. She's a winner. So uh, her on the color commentary and Krista uh, doing the play-by-play, they do a great, you know, bang-bang job. And so we definitely appreciate them. So to get a few minutes of her time this afternoon is awesome. Again, about an hour and 15 minutes away from tip-off, uh, the Liberty and the Aces. And Ari, hop on real quick. And uh, we're having that. We haven't moving around all the time. That's on. That's on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Right? Yes, yes. Okay, and I, I will wanna, be there. I just want to make sure I know we have the UNLV coaches show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Correct. And that's going to be at 6 o'clock. I mean, we got, hey, look, man, we got a little something over here. We got a little something, something over there. Then we go pick up some tacos over here across <laughs> the street. I mean, you know what I mean? We got everything going on. We got you covered. We've basically. got you covered like a glove. Like a glove, as Yes, says. buddy. So the Aces and Liberty will tip off at 5 o'clock. T.C. Martin will be on the call. You can hear him on ESPN Las Vegas, and then the UNLV Coaches Show will be right here where we are on Raider Nation Radio 920. Coach Odom is doing a fantastic job with the UNLV uh, Rebels. will be 6 o'clock here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Many thanks to Krista Blunt. Great job, Ari, getting her in a pinch. Uh, you know, we had Paloma scheduled, and then she got a little under the weather, and she wasn't able to join us. So uh, that was great to uh, hear from Krista. We definitely appreciate her. 3.45 is the time. We'll come back. We've got Adam Butler. We've got Max Crosby. Locker room sound from the Raiders locker room earlier. Vinny sent it over. You'll hear from one of the two guys, and we'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got a text from Big Dub Raider. Dobbybroke.com. Text line 69187. Keyword R&R. Man, some days Ari goes deep in the bag. Came with a little go-go gadget flow by Lupe. Nice. Go Raiders. So uh, there you go, Ari. Uh, you're getting your fine work do, uh, behind the wheels of steel. How do these people even know that? What you mean, these people, man? These y'all, are deep y'all, cuts. Y'all don't, y'all don't know what we do? You don't know what we do around here? No, that is – I'm saying I'm as impressed with him knowing uh, he or she, whoever it is. I didn't That's catch big, the name because I was – Big dub Raider. There you go, he. Uh, yeah, I'm more impressed with him knowing that it is a deep cut. It's almost a random cut, so hey, – Absolutely. There you go. Try to keep hey, you on man, your toes. Look, hey, we know what's going on around here. I recognize just about every single beat that you drop, you do, man. I'm yeah. like, man, I'm on it. I like it. I like Can't it. Can't put fantastic. a fast one on cue. <laughs> hey, fantastic job. No, definitely appreciate your handiwork, and clearly Big Dub Raider does as well. I'm going to go ahead and throw this little statement out there before someone sends it to me. Uh, apparently, Devontae Adams spoke at the podium a little while ago. Maybe we'll get that sound uh, over in a little bit before the show's over as well. Uh, he said, I'm a human being. I have extremely high standards for myself and this offense. My benchmark is not wins and losses. It's greatness. So do with that as you please, <laughs> right? I mean, clearly that goes back to the frustration of not getting targets, not getting the ball, not being able to produce in this offense. That all goes back. And, you know, Josh McDaniel spoke on that earlier today and said, you know what, he wouldn't be a great player if, that's not his, if that wasn't his mentality. And that's the honest-to-God truth. You know, some people say, oh, it's just about the team, 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 team. Look, he didn't become one of the best in the business because – because he was just a guy that that didn't expect you know to 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 be a, a massive contributor, you know each and every game. Like there's there's guys that separate themselves. They separate themselves for a reason. They're that they're him, right? Devonte is him, and he wouldn't be him if he just was that guy that was comfortable and acceptable. Of, oh yeah, four targets is cool. Two catches is cool. 
yeah, I'll collect my check and go home. He's not that guy. Uh, again, like he said, his expectation, his benchmarks are greatness. And Coach McDaniel says he has the right to that. He has earned that right. That's who he is, and he wouldn't want that player to change at all. So I'm sure we'll get more sound and more uh, thoughts from what Devontae Adams had to say as he is at the podium at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. Uh, in the locker room at the uh, Intermountain Health Performance Center, Vinny Bonsignor sent us over multiple different sounds from uh, guys that were in the locker room. We already heard from Bilal Nichols. How about we hear from his guy that plays right next to him, Adam Butler, uh, has also had a pretty big uh, game and really been showing up this season, but uh, had a big game against the Patriots as well. Here's Adam Butler in the Raiders locker room. Congratulations on Sunday, by the way. Thank you. Um, I think this guy's probably one The interior of the defensive line, it feels like you guys are kind of hitting your stride right now. You feel like, is that I mean, I hope so. Um, you know, last couple games, uh, I think we've been able to gain some momentum as a group. Uh, we're just working every day to try to keep it going. Does it get overlooked sometimes what chemistry means along that side of, or, or at that part of the uh, defensive line in terms of knowing responsibilities? I saw you guys doing a lot of stunts and things like that this past week. Yeah, that definitely does get overlooked. Uh, you know, but I don't think any group expects the outside to understand that because they're not, they're not on the inside. So. Uh, but you guys feel more comfortable in that regard and making the contributions as well? Yeah, I believe so. I can't speak for everybody, but... I think yeah. we're getting there. I know Max has talked about you guys being there on Thursday nights. Um, is there a particular favorite that you have so far of the Thursday night uh, meals that you guys have gotten together on? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, it's just just something we do just to make sure we stay on the same page, you know? Is it important? It's very important, very important. It's kind of like a self-audit, you know, and just you know, take a step back and, you know, talk about things we need to talk about or whatever, you know, and just, just enjoy each other. You know, there's another fellow veteran on this line, John Jenkins, um, kind of gets overlooked himself a little bit. But, mm -hmm. uh, your thoughts on what he brings to the Oh, man, John is a great leader. Um, yeah, he definitely does get overlooked as a as a veteran, uh, you know, and I think his play definitely speaks for him and who he really is as a player when given a chance, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, he's been in the league a lot longer than I have, you know, but I, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to link up with him in Miami, uh, you know, and I knew he was a sleeping giant even back then, so I'm glad to see him, you know, finally putting it on tape and getting to showcase who he is. Thank you, sir. Adam Butler right there uh, in the Raiders locker room. You heard Vinny Bonsignor. You heard the locker room was pretty active today, which is good to hear. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit quiet. That's really kind of towards the end of the week. I know I was able to get there last Friday, and uh, we're able to talk to a couple of players, but for the most part, they, they get out of there pretty quick. But uh, Vinny's in there. We'll hear from Max Crosby in the 4 o'clock hour. I know Raider Mack is on the line. We'll get to him in the 4 o'clock hour as well. I also wanted to go over that statement one more time from Devontae Adams, and this one's a little bit clearer from Tashawn Reed instead of uh, – I forget who, who sent it out at first and it's catching fire. Uh, Devontae said on his frustration, I have extremely high standards for myself and this offense. Y'all should know who I am and know what uh, I'm about at this point. When you're a player like me, mentally my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. So there's a few words that were left out of the last statement that I read that – you know, make it sound one way, and Tashawn really put it out there to make it sound the way that Devontae Adams actually said it. Of course, we'll go back and listen to the audio a little bit later, but again, mentally, his benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. I think that's a key phrase right there that everyone needs to make sure that they hear. 3.55 is the time when we come back. Raider Mac, you'll be up, plus we'll get some more text, we'll get some more sounds and more on Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.